0: Philip, what do you call the period between the collapse of capitalism and socialism?
1: I don't know, Tommy. What do you call it?
0: Alcoholism.
1: Oh, man. Too dark. <laughs> uh, Raising Up does not condone the consumption of alcohol as a replacement for uh, mental health. Uh but uh, I also uh, understand. You probably <laughs> that's, one of those, that's one of those jokes that's like funny while also being like perhaps a little too real, like kind of like hurts while you laugh. I don't know. <laughs> uh,
0: those of you at home, because Zoom immediately switches to whoever's talking, couldn't see me starting a waterfall the entire time Philip was saying that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, are you trying to make a point here?
0: (laughs) (laughs) My last episode, I finished my tea, and now I've moved on to my now lukewarm tea strength or tea temperature beer, which still coats my vocal cords, but not as good as tea.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, today we are tackling a topic that is uh, close to my heart. I've mentioned it before, I think, in uh, a couple of episodes or at least one of them. Uh, where we are talking about parenting with ADHD. But I suppose we didn't do the bit where uh, we say, uh, well, this is them Left.
0: <laughs> I just assume y'all know. Yes, yeah. this is them Left. We are a podcast about uh, parenting from a leftist uh, viewpoint, if you will. Philip actually taught me yesterday while I was making some media that lens is not spelled with an e, um, <laughs> True, having yeah.
1: uh, having not, a di- in, not in America anyway. I don't think it's spelled differently in Britain though.
0: No, no, it's wrong everywhere. And I literally <laughs> went through media school where the main thing we used was lenses and didn't know this. But uh...
1: that's actually uh, one of the things that I think I saw that it said is like a, it's really common to spell lens incorrectly with an e on the end because the plural of lenses is an es word and. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah <laughs> I mean, if you're always talking about lenses and never a lens, I don't know, uh, <laughs> but I that's could see how you can get it by,
0: <laughs> but that's who we are. We're them left. I'm Tommy. this is Philip uh Philip is leading the episode today. uh normally, I kind of lead the scripts, and I'm excited to get to play the reactive part of the uh podcast, and yeah, we're talking about parenting with a d h d
1: yeah, so, um i uh for credentials i suppose uh i am someone with uh adhd uh i can't remember do you is that something that you have or not i think you've i mentioned having some degree of neurodivergence before but i don't know if this is one of them
0: yeah i went through therapy we never quite got to um i i need to seek some diagnosis of things it's a, a jumbled mess of a lot i quite likely have an undiagnosed uh, uh v- version or f- flavor if you of if you will of adhd ptsd uh or autism or all of the above it's uh a a mystery
1: <laughs> i'm not uh this is not the point and i won't dwell on it but the um i've recently learned there is no test for aut- autism in adults uh most of the ability to diagnose adults with autism involves being able to go back into childhood and see signs of it there uh but like there is um very little done in the understanding of adults with autism
0: oh i'm intrigued by that so yeah my my previous therapist actually i went there seeking a uh, Uh, A recommendation to a a psychiatrist for getting a a diagnosis in ADHD, and she actually had told me that before we looked at that, first she wanted me to go to an autism center and uh, do some testing for autism, and then I did the Uh very... You know, I mean, telling a potentially neurodivergent person, uh, hey, you need to go set up an appointment with somebody else and make several phone calls and go through this whole process (laughs) of doing this other thing. And I never did that. so
1: Yeah, we're 100% getting into that. So um, (laughs) for those who um, haven't heard this term, um, just to cover our bases here, um, ADHD is a um, acronym that stands for Attention Deficit sorry, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, which is possibly the worst named psychiatric disorder of all time uh, because it is almost nothing to do with attention uh, directly. uh, And hyperactivity is not uh, actually a super common symptom except in children, uh, mostly male children. Uh, It's... um, not really, um, but people imagine it as, uh, you can't pay attention to stuff. It's in the name, right? Um, And that's sort of true, uh, but it's actually a side effect of um, the real central part of the disorder, which is a disorder of executive function. Um, Most people can uh, approach a task, and they sort of break it up into component parts, and then they go like, "Okay, let's do part one, part two, part three, part four, until the task is done. and they can, like, sort of immediately just sort of, like, come up with a plan. Uh, or if it's a really, really big task, maybe they have to think about the plan for a while, you know. But uh, I think, like, the classic example is, like, cleaning a room. You go, like, okay, well, to clean a room. You just got to clean this part of the floor and get the stuff off of here. And then go to the next part. And you just keep doing that until the room's clean. And, like, I can say that out loud. But, like, actually approaching a dirty room and going to do it, there's, like, a part of my brain that just goes, like, yeah and uh, just immediately becomes like super overwhelmed by the entire thing. Uh, And so like, there's just this like shortness of, of, you know, desire to action that um, doesn't respond well to to things in particular that have longer feedback cycles. So the easy thing to remember here is like, um, you know, like, if any like uh, any task that um, gives quick feedback is actually very very easy for someone like me to do. So um, this this results in a feature of ADHD that's actually very perplexing to people that only kind of understand it at a surface level, which is that um, you see someone who's like, ah, oh, you know, I just can't. Uh, you know, clean my room or i can't do these like basic functioning things but they could play video games for like four hours straight like forget to eat everything just like hyper hyper focus on this thing and you're like okay well if you can't focus on doing anything how can you focus on this for four hours well video games have a very tight feedback cycle video games aren't one task in some in one in a human sense they are in a but in a more you know thorough through more thorough examination you'll see that video games are actually a large set of micro tasks each of which gives you some sort of reward when you play a role-playing game you have random encounters every few moments that you there are little mini puzzles and you solve them and you beat all the enemies and you get a little victory fanfare you get a little bit of experience you get a little bit of gold you get some items you know you do that kind of thing and you do do that over and over and over and over and over again in a very tight cycle because constant feedback so i can very easily play games like that for extremely long periods of time But, um, you know, focusing on, you know, chores or uh, depending on the work, work uh, can be very difficult, difficult. So uh, fundamentally at the core of it, ADHD is an executive function disorder, not one that is of, it's not an an inability to pay attention. It's sort of malformed attention as a result of a lack of exec of a fully formed executive function. Um, And obviously, there's a spectrum. As with every mental illness, there's very severe ADHD, and there's like milder forms of it and whatnot. So it's a whole set of things. Um, But
0: yeah. I really like the video game analysis there of it. Um, it, It's something, and and I'm not saying this is related to that, but I'm just saying it's a personal experience I have that I see a parallel here. It's a thing I've thought, and, like, I have the same thing. Like, I can focus on video games much easier than I can focus on, like, real-life tasks. Then it really bugs me sometimes, because I'll be procrastinating real-life tasks while playing video games. And I'm like, oh, I can grind this shit out in a video game, but I can't grind it out in real life. And it's occurred to me before, like, you know... I bet I could if I just had somebody like following me around with like a, um, uh, a a crown royal bag full of little plastic doubloons, and just every single time I would do literally anything, they'd be like, "Aha, you have found two doubloons!" Like I could get so much done. Like,
1: <laughs> yeah, no, legitimately. In fact, a lot of the ADHD advice uh, gets into um, ways to environmentally structure your life to uh, tighten feedback loops. Um, So, um, for example, um, a common practice, a somewhat common practice in software development, which is what I do for a living, uh, is the Pomodoro, which is like the Italian word for tomato. Uh, You know, those little kitchen timers, they're tomatoes that like go up to most at most 30 minutes or whatever. Mm -hmm. So like you do your work in Pomodoros, or you just like crank that thing to 30 minutes, you put it down your thing, and you're like, I'm going to my my little mini task is to work super focused for 30 minutes and you just do that and the timer goes off and you have free reign to go take a couple minutes to get up get a drink of water walk around do some other stuff whatever and then you come back and you turn the thing again and you're like tightening this feedback loop instead of trying to work for four hours go to lunch then work for four hours you work for 30 minute chunks and um I'm way more productive when I do that sort of thing than if I do try to work in giant chunks of time. Because if I work in giant chunks of time, I tend to, my mind tends to wander off and, you know, do other things. Whereas, like, if I can just have this thing where, like, if I can focus for 30 minutes, I do this thing and then a timer goes off, I'm like, yes, I did it. And there's like this feedback loop thing that goes on that's, uh, helps keep me focused, even though unintuitively you would expect interrupting yourself every 30 minutes to go do something else would actually be harmful to your long-term productivity. Uh, In my particular case, it helps a lot. I legitimately think a ton of undiagnosed uh, ADHD people adopt some of these like um, alternative work patterns as a sort of environmental uh, compensation for an unknown neurodivergent problem, but um, anyway, uh, one thing to note about ADHD, that's really, really important when it comes to parenting specifically is that it is extremely inheritable, um, as best as I could tell from the numbers. And, you know, I'm not a geneticist or scientist in this area, but like from what I understand, um, very, very few, few things beat ADHD and inheritability, uh, I height and eye color, uh, just beat it out. But um, pretty much nothing else does. So um, it's um, if you have it, uh, it is very, very likely that your that your kid will have it. Um, if both parents have it, it's like the the chances through the roof or whatever. So both me and my wife have it. Our oldest son has it. Our youngest is it's very difficult to tell at young ages because um, kids from the age of zero to like five to six don't have great executive function as a baseline. <laughs> so pretty much all their behaviors are ADHD. Like um, it just seems like behaving like a child, uh, a young child. And uh, it's just, you know, there's, it's one of those things as they get a little bit older, that like, there's like all the children, you know, sort of behaving together and there starts to be this split over time that just sort of like they diverge more and more from Uh, the behavior of their peers. And so we're on the lookout for that and we know better what to look for now since we have had one, Uh, but yeah, that's kind of the summary of what ADHD is and um, sort of a little bit about how it works. Um, You know, I'm not, uh, there there are great experts and uh, maybe we'll put some like links in the description or something to uh, some talks and and stuff that I'm, I watched that helped me really understand the condition better. Um, but so I would advise, of course, people who really want to understand it to go listen to actual experts on the topic, but hopefully that gives people who are unfamiliar with it some kind of baseline for the rest of the conversation.
0: Yeah, this might be a, I want to take a quick moment to do a mid uh, episode plug for, our podcast. Um, Go to Patreon, support us, and then uh, through that support, you'll get access to our Discord channel, which is a wonderful place to talk about this kind of stuff, which is exactly what we want that Discord channel to be, is a place to talk about this kind of stuff and how it relates to all of us. And uh, yeah, join that community.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, as you might imagine, uh, parenting with ADHD is um difficult in many ways um so just to give you an idea of of why this might be a problem um uh oh one thing that i need to mention first before we get into this is that um another very important feature of adhd uh, is that um emotional regulation the ability to have an emotion and then decide what to do about it and uh you know sort of like have your your sort of thoughtful conscious mind be able to reach in take control and set that emotion aside and do something other than yours like gut emotional reaction is part of executive function uh and uh as someone with malformed executive function that means emotional regulation is also a problem so um that's an important thing because we're about to get into some things here that will deal with that to some degree um so i'm gonna go through uh some some pieces of common parenting advice that you hear and uh these are like some really common baseline type things that i would be honestly surprised if everyone hasn't heard several times just in people chatting about kids and parenting broadly um so if you're looking up You know good parenting styles like what should i do when my kid gets upset and cries like the most common piece of advice is when kids get upset respond consistently and calmly um needless to say um that requires you to have the executive function to decide what to do before you have an emotional reaction um and um so if you have adhd it's not impossible um but it's much much more difficult in the same way that you might with uh i always try to analogize neurodivergences as like alternative like physical existences like various kinds of physical disabilities or whatever to help people understand them because they're much more intuitively understood in that way people don't intuitively understand uh mental stuff in the same way so the way i talk about this is like um people say like just control yourself when you get upset or whatever But it's kind of like asking a person without hands to pick up a chair. It's not impossible with the right positioning and getting your arms, you know, without hands in the right place and like arranging stuff. And depending on how the chair is built and what kind of things in there, you could finagle your way into a position where you can get under it and then you can like lift it up. And then it's like really awkward, maybe not fully balanced, but you can pick up a chair and move it across the room but it takes a lot more effort and a lot more like dedication to the task than a regular person with hands who would just grab the chair and and take it across so a lot of the things we're going to be talking about here i want to emphasize are not impossible for people with adhd because the way we talk about it can sometimes make it seem like that's what's being said but it's significantly more difficult than it is for the average person so needless to say if like your emotional response goes from, you know, zero to 100 instantaneously, uh, and there's no like regulator in the middle of that, like dampening you down and giving you time to like think through your response. Responding calmly is intermittent at best, depending on a lot of complicated factors of like, have you already been stressed out a bunch that day? Or, you know, have I drank a bunch of caffeine? Because that's a stimulant, which turns out to be uh, a thing that you treat ADHD with. Uh, you know, or have I not had my coffee yet today? Like all kinds of in of complicated environmental factors, me, you know, sort of put you o- over or just behind the line on on you know having the uh, the ability to fully respond in the way that you want to intentionally which of course means that you immediately violate the other half of that, which is not just respond calmly, but respond consistently, which if you can't consistently regulate your emotion, you certainly can't consistently respond to something that requires you to do that in a way. So as a result, it's very, very difficult for people with ADHD to, uh, for parents with ADHD to take that advice and apply it in the way that it needs to be applied.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, something, and 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 clearly, as a framework of this podcast, I haven't began the experience of parenting yet, but something that I you, know, you mentioned about stimulants being, and again, I'm not, I don't want to say that I have a diagnosis in ADHD, I'm, in, uh, but parallels that I see within my own life. Um, uh, you talk about stimulants being used as, uh, you know, the, the of a way of treating ADHD. Very early on when I started in food industry, uh, I learned I would get extremely stressed working any type of a customer service facing position. This was, uh, you know, whether this was front counter or in drive-through, I was a back of house person when I had to deal with people. It stressed me out immensely and I really quickly learned that if i macro dose energy drinks if i uh, i i would i because when i became a supervisor it was like 18 and they made me a supervisor which was a terrible idea um i so i had to deal with people i had to work those front of house positions so whenever i would go into work i would start off my day with a five hour energy shot and chase it with a monster uh, or not a monster a rock star because uh, this is the early 2000s i chase it with a rock star and then at lunch, I would do another five-hour energy shot chased with another rock star. And I, until I developed the jitters and couldn't do that anymore. But by doing that, I suddenly I was like, wow, I'm so much more sociable and I can like handle these social situations so much better. And so then like I would also at night, uh as like partying, because I was 18, uh, I, I would pull all nighters with like Red Bull and Jaeger. Um, to again, to be able to, I was like, oh, that worked at work. I'm going to do this in my social life. So in order to be able to socialize and host parties at my house, which was something that was super stressful to me at first, as I was living with like five guys so that we could afford this house. Um, And so they were like, oh, we, you know, a bunch of 18-year-old guys, like we want to throw parties every night. So I was like, ah, well, maybe if I do, you know, so I started drinking Red Bull and Jaeger and uh, found it suddenly easier to socialize with people. And yeah
1: this sort of self-medicating with, uh, caffeine is really, really common. Uh, again, you know, like I obviously can't diagnose you or whatever, but like, yeah, that's a very, very common pattern. Um, because, um, yeah, you have that recognition of like, oh yeah, I'm like, just life seems better when I do this, when I drink a bunch of soda or when I, you know, have three cups of coffee in the morning or whatever, when I do this sort of like energy shot you know routine of course the problem that inevitably comes which <laughs> you mentioned is like the jitters and also tolerance is a really big problem mm-hmm. once you become tolerant of it you need bigger and bigger amounts to eventually get the same thing and eventually you can't really get there in a reasonable way and you have to deal with the withdrawal from that which Simultaneously, not just dealing with the caffeine headaches, which is a problem, but because your body is now under stimulated, it makes your ADHD worse because your brain has stopped producing the things that it needs to help you with your regulation. So you become extra cranky and extra unsociable and way less good at, you know, regulating your emotions. And so it's a real struggle. Yeah, uh, I mean, in that way.
0: And this has, for me, been one of the, and I don't mean to, to get too much into my experience with drugs in this podcast, but for me, this has been one of the reasons why throughout my early 20s, late teens experiences with drugs, I aggressively avoided uppers. Like, I knew that, like, if I ever. Played around with cocaine. It was not going to be a good time. Um, So it was like I had like a list of things is like, no, I'm not even going to like venture into that because of how energy drinks and caffeine was doing for me as like I know that uppers are going to be my thing. Like everybody has the drug that they can't get away from. One of those is going to be mine. And I think this very much wraps into when we uh, discuss folks who aren't able to operate within the system of capitalism. When we talk about um, uh, uh, unhoused uh, folks and folks living in throughout the variety system, variety of systems of poverty, who are not able to. Be a part of wage labor because of mental health issues and substance abuse issues. How much these kind of things fold into one another you start medic self medicating like I very easily uh, could have in my early night early 20s started self medicating with harder uppers uh, to deal with those social stresses that I felt. And uh, could have went through exactly that feedback loop of then my brain's not producing the things. And so then I'm in this trap where in order to be able to function at work, I'm going to have to do, uh, you know. uh, Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I, I have read stories of people with ADHD who would go into environments where like drug use was happening and they would like take a harder upper and it would chill them out. Because of course it did. (laughs) That's what it does to people. That's what stimulants do to people with ADHD. And so like everyone else is like going like nuts, you know, with like they're all up on uppers with like neurotypical things going on. And then they're just kind of like, Man, everyone's kinda going wild, but I'm just vibing. (laughs) (laughs) And then they're like, I don't I don't get it. And then (laughs) sort of that being a moment where they go like, huh? Yeah, and for uh,
0: me it was like I can process everything. Like, and this is where yeah. it gets into like the questions of autism is that I have I struggle with processing things in real time, and it's caffeine and and, and energy drinks and things allow me to suddenly process multiple stimuli at once. Like otherwise, I can only handle one thing at once, uh, one thing at a time. I get overstimulated very easily. But the proper application of caffeine, I can process the whole room and. In, in that exact experience, I remember having that being in a party and being like, this is all overwhelming and too much and drinking a shitload of Red Bull and being like, cool, I'm able to just sit here and vibe and process all of this and be chill. Yeah, with it. yeah,
1: exactly. So sort of pulling it back into the, the parenting realm, um the, you know, you can start to see how this, if you're sort of following the, the, you know symptom condition you know here you're probably going to very clearly see um, how this is going to cascade into some other things for example people like spend time with your kids every day Uh, well, you know, in order to spend time with your kids every day and go to work and take care of everything you do around the house and do all this stuff, you got to organize your day. You got to do time management, which is an executive function problem. So if you don't do that, what you're going to end up doing is getting caught into some sort of like Wikipedia rabbit hole or a YouTube rabbit hole or getting caught up in a work task and then looking at the clock and being like, oh no, it's way too late. And now I have lost some time and I have to, um recapture that somehow desperately and you always end up kind of like coming out and then trying to make up for stuff that you have accidentally you know left on the back burner by sheer force of just forgetting that time is a thing to pay attention to um stuff like don't let your kids have too much screen time like I can't regulate my own behavior in a consistent way. I certainly am not going to regularly remember to check that my kids have been on their tablets for too long and regularly make sure that they get off and do the thing, not consistently. And so like regulating others, which like your job as a parent, especially in the earlier years, is essentially just to be your child's executive function. But like mine doesn't work normally. So like I can't do that in a consistent way which obviously doesn't teach create habits but um you can see here this is actually a mechanism by which the environmental thing comes into play in addition to the there is a real physical thing going on there in the neurology but environmentally also adhd is extremely inheritable partially as an environmental function of the fact that like you can't develop good habits from an early age if your parent doesn't know how to develop good habits and like they can't teach you because they don't know and no one taught them because their parents also had adhd and it's just like an endless cascade of of failures <laughs> but uh you know people also say like give kids a consistent routine so they know every day they got to wake up they got to brush their teeth they got to get ready for school they got to go and then they come home they got to do their homework they got to eat they can play for a little while then they got to brush their teeth go to bed like establishing habits is a really big problem for people that have ADHD. Um, Most people view habits as this sort of thing. It's like, Oh, you just do it for a while. You have to spend mental effort to do it. Then after like a couple of weeks or maybe like a month or something like you just start doing it automatically. That does not happen for me. People, people have given me all kinds of advice about like uh, exercise or losing weight or all kinds of stuff that are just like, just, just make yourself do it for like, a month. And then you'll find that you just want to do it. You just want to go back and you just, you're in this habit, you're in this routine. It's like, that doesn't happen to me. (laughs) So like that's useless advice because like I do that and it just fails. So you can see here where like, there's a challenge in like a lot of common parenting advice ends up in a way coming from a neurotypical place. uh, One that, you know, isn't super useful for people that have a condition like mine. So,
0: yeah. and I mean, and that's something that yeah. last one is something that I had a friend of mine who has ADHD pointed out to me not long ago. And it hit me like a truck where I was like, yeah, no, I mean, that's wait, that's wait, other people actually do that thing? Um, because, yeah, I, like brushing my teeth very specifically, the one I can think of the most adamantly. Ever since the time I was a little kid, it has never became a a habit that I don't think about. It's a part of my everyday routine that is very firmly like, okay, I'm going to go to bed. Before I go to bed, I have to do this thing. I think of every night, like it is a part of my process. Okay. I'm going to go to bed. Okay. I have to remember to brush my teeth before bed for this specific reason to prevent plaque buildup overnight. Okay. I'm going to do it. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. People like the way people describe habits almost maps onto this in a way that like makes it easy to think that that's just what people mean. They like, they mean, oh yeah, you just always think to do it. But that's not what I have come to learn that people mean by a habit. They mean that they just do it like as an automatic response. Like uh, I go to bed and they just kind of like walk into the bathroom and start doing their teeth thing as like a kind of automatic behavior that they could almost like zone out thinking about something else and they would just do it anyway. And that doesn't happen. That sounds dysfunctional. <laughs> uh, every, even, even, yeah, well, I mean, like even habits that I have are really just Conscious thoughts that are so reflexive from muscle memory that I have them, but still have to not ignore. Like I can still have the capacity to be like to ignore that, or be like, oh, let me do something first and then forget about it. Like it's never a thing that I just do, um, in the way that people talk about habits. So, um, you can hopefully see why that presents some challenges when it comes to raising children. Definitely. And, So like another big problem this comes with as like a sort of second order challenge is like, there's a lot of like guilt and shame that comes with this. Um, And I'll try not to be too deeply personal about this, but it's extremely difficult. Um, There are moments uh, where I have, from an adult perspective, lost control not to the degree that I did anything like abusive or horrible or anything, but like, certainly to the degree I've lost my temper, I've yelled, um, done and said things that I wish I hadn't do that. I think about them now and I shudder and think, you know, I have an immense amount of shame about in my uh, history as a parent so far and I hate it and it's um, traumatizing to me. I, and I, pray and hope every day that it's not to my children that these will be things that will have done minimal damage to them um it you know these sorts of feelings that come from an inability to live up to the standard expectations of behavior in society at large cause a lot of depression and anxiety symptoms as well which is why a lot of ADHD gets misdiagnosed as depression or anxiety initially, because the thing that gets people with that condition in the door is usually a big failure of some kind. That's a downstream of their actual problem. But, you know, they come in and they say like, I just really, you know, things in my life are just fucked. and I'm just really upset. And I feel like nothing's ever going to go right and all that stuff. And they go like, oh, that sounds like depression. Here's some, you know, SSRIs. Uh, and you take them and it's like, oh, well, it makes me a little bit less upset about stuff in general. It does kind of help in like a little bit sort of ways, but like it still feels like the core thing's there. And it takes a while to get at the the root of it. Um, and some of it is like just, you know, learning to accept yourself. Even once you have the diagnosis, there's a sense of like um, you know you still live in this world that has like neurotypical expectations and framing and environments and so like there's a constant tug and pull between like um one self-perception and how you relate to society and also just like you know learning to adjust your acceptance of like neurodivergence and neurodivergent people um and learning to think of yourself in that category and you know understand where you diverge that you can you know try to bridge that gap because typically neurotypical people aren't going to um bridge that gap for you um so yeah uh and then the uh, the big way that this manifests obviously is like you when you talk about your problems people give you lots of advice you know people are like oh well just try this and it's like usually coming from a neurotypical place that relies on habit forming or organizing. And you're like, Oh, I'm just like all over the place. I can't clean my house. Or like, I have this problem or that problem. They're like, Oh, just get an organizer or just like do it for a month or something. And you get these kind of advice. It's like, well, that would be nice, but I've tried that six and a half million times and it's failed every single time. Uh, and you don't want to also be like that jerk that like every time someone tries to help by giving advice, you're just always like, that won't work. You know, <laughs> uh, the Debbie downer or whatever. Um, so I'll try to make this last bit quick. Um, there is, um, it's not hopeless. I want to just recognize the challenges initially, um, but fundamentally there's, this is not something that you can't do anything about. Um, if possible, get medication uh, therapy as well if you can afford that. Um, obviously access to those is still a problem. We could do an entire series <laughs> on healthcare access and mental health access in particular, Uh, It is a serious problem, Um, but I would say, um, especially if you have a kid with ADHD, pay attention very carefully, go listen to talks by people that describe what it looks like as a child, what it looks like as an adult, because that's how I found out that I had it. I had my kid got ADHD and then I was like, well, I got to learn everything about this because I want to be a good parent and make sure that my neurodivergent son has the support and love and care that he needs. And then I listened to the talk and cried because I went "Someone," because the man then proceeded to describe both my entire childhood and my current uh, biggest mental struggles as an adult and went, oh, no, <laughs> I need to get diagnosed, too. But it's helped a lot I got medication and working on getting therapy that's a bit of a process currently after COVID, therapists are slammed. Um, so I would say that's number one, if you can do that at all uh, number two would be. Um, if you learn. If you get any mental reflex built into your head of a thing to do that you can try your hardest to always remember to do, it is that I can personally recommend. It's put stuff in your calendar. The minute you hear about it, someone's like, hey, let's do this on Thursday. Hey, your appointment's at, you know, on August 27th at this time. Put it in your calendar the minute you hear a date. You hear a date, you put it in your calendar. You hear a date, you put it in your calendar. It's never going to become automatic, but if you can make that a deep, deep reflex to make that more and more consistent, that's going to help because nothing helps me remember all my appointments and time like my phone yelling at me to go to my freaking appointment 30 minutes before it happens um and fundamentally the thing that really is a is going to help here is be a part of a community i mean frankly a lot of these like things that people talk about are about like Divide up the duties, like you know, like when they talk about like parenting with a partner who has ADHD, they're like, divide up the duties. They take the the ones that are, you know, easy or hard for ADHD people, and you take the rest of them and you do extra chores or whatever. Like it's doesn't work if both partners have ADHD. <laughs> um, and fundamentally the whole system of two parents in an alienated little nuclear family thing it's just like uh, not a good uh not a good environment for this thing it takes a village and uh a village will help pick up the slack uh and then in your moments of hyper focus you can take care of big stuff
0: yeah no i agree um you can find that village on our discord well Uh, And you can find our Discord by going to our Patreon and supporting us at Patreon slash Razum Left. Uh, You can find this podcast, uh, like, and subscribe here on YouTube. Uh, You can find us anywhere podcasts are found. That's Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, everywhere. Um, Thank you all for joining us. Have a wonderful morning, afternoon, evening, night, or whatever time of day it is. Thank you.